Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. Recording. What's up guys, Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. In today's episode, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm so good, thanks Coach Steve, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. It's an exciting week in the mm-hmm. Challenge, like always. We are in week two. Yeah. So we have all survived week one. We're now rolling into week two of the challenge. And Nick, we are, what is it, 8% of the way through the challenge. Oh my gosh, what? how exciting already. Already. It rolls by, it rolls by quick. Um, but you know, we're in week two now. So if you have noticed some changes after just one week, awesome. If you haven't noticed any changes, that's okay. Give it time. We've still got another 11 weeks and it would be rare to see any significant progress in a week. You might see some changes in, let's say, water weight, maybe you cut out some booze, or maybe you're not uh, eating as much, I don't know, ice cream or, or, or pizza and things like that. Maybe you make some small changes in your diet, maybe increasing your step count um, and you know, getting into the gyms. You might see some quick changes in your body, but significant changes to things like fat loss and muscle growth, unlikely to occur in one week, Nick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, but keep going. That's what it's for, and it is a challenge. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, if you get stuck in any way, or if you have any questions, queries, any problem solving, please reach out to us on the forum on the M Challenge app. Coach Nick and I are on there uh, almost always, mm-hmm. <laughs> other than when we're doing things like recording this podcast. So, if you have any questions around, um, you know, your strategy to losing weight or gaining weight or or building muscle, whatever your goal is, or maybe you're just a little bit. Uh, confused about the latest fitness trend or you know something you saw online and you like our thoughts and, and, and opinions, please reach out to us on the forum. Yeah, that's what we're here for, your own personal coaches. Now, Nick, we had a very special prize, very special competition, sorry, yeah. uh, for our 100th episode of the Challenge Podcast. That's the best. I love, I love this competition. I think it's probably my favorite out of all the ones that we've done. Yeah, it was the best fitness joke. Mm-hmm. And that joke was to be posted in our Facebook social hub with the hashtag challenge podcast. And we're going to give away a, a small prize today. And that prize won't be too flash. We'll see what's uh, here at the warehouse with us. Um, but the reason for this competition was to put a lighter side on fitness. Uh, often we approach fitness with lots of um, you know em- emotion, lots of seriousness. We're trying to make a big change in our body, big change in our life, change in our environment. But at the end of the day, we want fitness to be fun, something we do for a long period of time. Mm. So we have a winner today. And this winner uh, is someone who posted multiple jokes on our Facebook group, which I love. And let's go through some of those jokes before we announce the winner. So the first joke, from uh, this individual was, what exercise do hairdressers do in the gym? Curls. Oh, that's funny. I love it. Love it. Nick, Nick, what's the next one here? Okay. I forgot to bring my protein powder to the gym today. I guess I should have prepared way in advance. Ooh. See, that's your favorite. One. I like a good pun. I like a good play on words. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, next one here. My husband asked me, are you having an affair? Me. No. Why? My husband, because you spend lots of time at gyms. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another play on words. Love it, love it. And the final one here, Nick. Okay, can you send an ambulance? I've just killed my workout. Oof, I love it. I love it. So all of these were yeah. from one of our individuals, one of our favorites in our Facebook social hub, uh, Jody Matarget. So thank you, Jody, for posting multiple jokes to the Facebook social 
hub. I'm using the hashtag Challenge Podcast. I'm going to send you out a small prize. We'll see what's what's lying around, and uh, we'll probably contact you in a moment or two to find out your best address to send those prizes to. Well done, Jody. I know she listened to this religiously, so you'll be so happy to hear this. Well done. Well done, Nick. Let's roll through this podcast, episode number 101. We'll move on to our next segment, the community highlights, where we highlight some members of our community. So, Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight this week? So, this is funny because this is a member highlighting another member, but this is Jin Eastop. She wants to give a massive shout-out to this absolute legend, legend, Michelle Lennon, nearly 40,000 steps and day's not over. I really don't think any of us have an excuse not to make it to 10,000 each day. What an inspiration you are for all of us. So that's amazing. Uh, I can't believe that Michelle's only just made it onto people's radar. She's been doing these steps since basically we've had the steps leaderboard. And I know that sometimes she feels a little bit uh, worried because people are not sure how she does it. Well, I'll tell you how she does it. She gets up early and she breaks it up into different pieces in the day and that is her and we're really proud of you, Michelle. Yeah, that's awesome. This is a bit of a, like a community highlights section, you know. It's, 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 like, it's like it's like watching Inception dream in a dream. It's yeah. a it's high a highlight in a highlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I love it. How cool is that? Yeah, and I think Michelle's definitely uh, doing some more steps for other individuals. Right, forty thousand steps on on uh, this particular day, but consistently in the top ten on our steps leaderboard. Uh, I do want to speak on the other side of it. If you find you know looking at forty thousand steps is a bit intimidating, you're really struggling at let's say five thousand steps. That's okay. Each one of us, you know, walks our own race to the steps leaderboard and you don't need to feel less uh, because you may not get to 40,000 steps or you may struggle to reach 10,000 steps. I often struggle to reach 10,000 steps and I'm a pretty active person. So you're not a bad person if you don't get 10,000 steps uh, each day. It's all about turning up and doing the best that you can do in, in your environment. Absolutely. And sometimes you don't want to get that many steps. So it's just, it depends on your goals as well. So that's why each person is an individual and we should celebrate people for anything. So good. All right. So we've got Candice Eberle. So she says, one of my goals for the challenge is to either hit my 10,000 steps daily or go for a one hour walk for the next 84 days. I love the way that she's um, broken that up into two different goals. So that's really good because you're going to hit one of them. The crappy weather could have stopped me and my extremely sore hamstrings could have stopped me. Instead, I dragged my butt to the gym to walk on the treadmill for an hour, which I find super boring. But I've been listening to the Challenge podcasts and look forward to the next episode I get to listen to. If you haven't already, check out the podcast for extra motivation on your walk. Ooh, Candice. Again, a little bit of like a highlight section. She might be listening to this with us highlighting Candice while she's listening to us motivating her to get a step in. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the fact that everybody's so engaged with um, the steps because really that that need, that's what the steps are trying to mimic, you know, that that incidental movement, that's where you'll find that you get really good results if you are aiming for weight loss as well. But I love that and I love the little plug for us as well because that's what we love, don't we? We love doing this podcast. All right, so the next one we've got is Alicia Bell. So she has one of our favourite things other than doing the podcast and that's deadlifting so she says deadlifting more than i weigh you've got to be happy with that how good is that Mm -hmm. that's a win that's awesome yeah so i think that's one of the first milestones uh you know when you hit deadlifting your body weight that is just um such a good feeling and um it's only onwards and upwards from there that's right in the sense of shifting goalposts it starts at your body weight and then soon that body weight will actually be your warm-up 
and then you're dabbling around the uh, the two times and two times plus body weight. Mm-hmm. So uh, enjoy the shifting goalposts, celebrate this milestone. There's more 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 deadlifting ahead of you. Yes, beautiful. So good, Nick. I've got a couple I'd like to highlight. The first one goes out to Joe Hargreaves, and Joe writes, "Best friends keep each other accountable." Dog, and there's a little dog emoji, uh, giving a friendly reminder to go for a walk after my workout. Hashtag a challenge partner. And this is a bit of a photo of her with her dog, and I think she was training at a home in, in her in her garage, and her dog was was there with her. Um, and I like this because my dog often makes uh, her way into the gym with me, and she sits on the bench while I while I do some activities. Um, but I always get really anxious if I'm like deadlifting. I don't know where my dog is. I don't want her to be anything anywhere near that uh, little little cavoodle dog. So she's. Uh, special sometimes <laughs> super cute uh, but yes um, dogs really cool if you want a way, uh, significant way to impact your environment so if you have a dog you are probably going to walk the dog um, and you know, it's going to get you out of the house so mm-hmm. if you're really struggling to get your steps in maybe you want to get a dog um, to help you get outside to, to walk that dog get your steps up yep I agree I know that that is a good catalyst for Shane getting out um, he sees the dog looking at him and He's out the door. He's out the door. Mm. So good. Nick, next one here goes out to Tammy Thomas, TT, Tammy Thomas. And Tammy writes, this afternoon, I could have looked at the pending weather as an excuse not to get my steps in, but I didn't. Doing this for me, myself, and I. For my health not to fit in that dress, not that there's anything wrong with that, if that's your goal. And I, I like this because I think that we all kind of had this external goal first. You know, I want to fit into this dress, fit into these jeans. I want to look a little bit uh, slimmer, look good naked, whatever your goal is. But often that turns into a goal for health and improving your health. Tammy's highlighted that where, uh, yeah, improving herself for her, which is great. Yeah, very, very good. And it's funny because once you figure that out, everything else falls into place as well. Everything starts looking good. And um, yeah, it's got to start from the inside. I really believe that. Last one here goes out to Colleen, Colleen Somerville. A uh, very special one here. Colleen, a little bit long. I'll try to paraphrase it. She goes, okay, so I finally took my before picks. This will be a very different journey for me, but I need this because I need to focus on what is positive, um, what I can do as opposed to what I can't do. Now, for context, Colleen, unfortunately involved in a bit of an accident where she's fractured her leg or broken in multiple places. Pretty significant uh, surgery that she needs to do. Um, she continues to write, thinking of the recovery ahead of me is super depressing. I can't bear any weight on my foot for the next three months, then have a second surgery. Can't drive, can't work because my job is physical and so on. Pretty much a prisoner in my house. But I can only focus on this. I have light weights and a step. And I believe focusing on what I can do rather than what I can't do is helping me. Otherwise, I will become too depressed. So I am kind of excited about having a big challenge for myself. Whew. Wow. And this is a special one. And I know Colleen, challenge veteran, done done many challenges with us. Um, I know she can achieve an, an amazing result. And I think she really highlights the importance of focusing on what we can do. And that could be on a, a, a big factor, like you've broken your leg, okay, what can you do? And it also be on a small factor, like maybe you are really um, struggling to, with your time, getting into the gym, or maybe you are managing some aches and pains or, or you know, have a, that you know, dodgy knee and you can't do X, Y, and Z. Focusing on what you can do can be so powerful rather than focusing on what you can't do. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I wish Colleen all the very best. I know she's gonna overcome this and be stronger than ever. So good. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have our question and answer segment. So a few more questions this week. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. 
So first question here comes from Tori. Tori writes, I see no cardio in my plan. Is this correct? Or should we be incorporating some kind of cardio that gets the heart rate raised? Thanks, Tori. So Nick, question uh, we've had on the podcast a number of different times in different ways, uh, but what would you say to Tori? Hi, Tori. So it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to get better at cardio for an event or something like that, then definitely include that extra cardio into your plan. Now, you can do that by just pressing add and exercise and this. Uh, a lot of variety of cardio now on there. So we've got everything from skiing to hiking to stationary bike, um, running, anything you can think of pretty much. And if you can think of anything extra, please let us know and we can add it in. But you just put the amount of time that you've done that for if you if you are used to doing that or that's something that you like to do. In terms of body composition changes, it's not necessary to do any extra cardio. In fact, it could, could sometimes just be detrimental to your actual physique development simply because it compromises recovery um, you know when you're in a um, an energy deficit it can compromise also just retaining that muscle mass you don't want to really go overboard with that you want to prioritize your energy into weight training and remember your movement your steps is what we want to see as your formal moving we don't have any formal cardio on the plan which is why it is not there so you are correct yeah, to- totally agree. Um, and just remember, like cardio in weight loss senses is used to push us into that energy deficit. So, you know, we have a few options to get us into that energy deficit, either consume less food or less total calories. We can look at increasing our physical activity throughout the day via our step count, or we can look at supplementing our energy expenditure by doing formal cardio, like on a walking on a treadmill, running, um, doing a bike, whatever it is. Now, in most cases, getting our steps in is more than adequate enough to push us into an energy deficit. Getting our steps in is more than enough to get adequate uh, cardiovascular improvements and more than adequate to improve health outcomes. So that's why we're primarily focusing on a step count. And if you really want to think about it, your steps could be your cardio, if that makes sense in your head. Correct. And also, the other thing is, if you do too much of that stuff, you are just going to feel so hungry if you're already in a calorie deficit if you're already in an energy deficit and your body's going to want to eat but then you know put it this way when you when you are dieting you can't always just eat everything that you want to eat and it makes you eat like a monster so sometimes you will just eat back basically what you've trained away or you can't think of it like that though but just i'm just saying try not doing it try not doing it (laughs) (laughs) Give it a crack. Give it a crack. No, mm-hmm. good. Nick, next question here comes from Chevy. And Chevy wrote a, quite a long question on the forum. But this is the summary of it. Question is, how many grams of protein is too high? I'm currently, and very easily, without trying really, hitting three grams per kilo of my body weight. So around 100, uh, 210 to 220 grams per day. Could this be contributing to the fat I can't get rid of around my midsection? Okay. Big question that we'll try to answer it succinctly um, without kind of going down too many rabbit holes. First part of the question, how many grams of protein is too high? The answer truly is we don't really know, okay? Um, So we can't certainly say that there's a ceiling for protein intake. However, we start to ask further questions of is more protein better? Does it, we get better outcomes with more protein? So first thing we need to understand is that when we are dieting and we're trying to lose weight, and I'm gonna assume, Chevy, you're trying to lose weight because you mentioned in the second part of the question, contributing to the fat I can't get rid of around my midsection. 
to lose body weight or body fat, we need to fit within the calorie restraint model where we are consuming um, our target calories or less than our target calories. So that would then put us into an energy deficit where our body would need to metabolize body fat to continue to produce movement and bodily functions. Now, we can get our energy, our calories from macronutrients such as protein. If uh, we, we, we need a certain amount of protein uh, as a minimum to hit bodily functions and to hit uh, re muscle retention goals, right? And that's around these two grams per kilo of body weight. That varies a lot, anywhere from maybe 1.6 to 2.4 grams per kilo of body weight. However, a nice target to aim for is that two grams per kilo of body weight. We do see in the literature that more protein can be helpful in those who are dieting in retention, re, retaining muscle mass as we diet. However, as we increase our protein intake, we then need to decrease our carbohydrate and fat intake so that we fit within this calorie restraint model. So if we then take away from our fat intake, we might have limitations because we don't meet our fat requirements, You know, maybe around this 0.8 grams is a good target, maybe 0.6 as a minimum, 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight. And then our carbohydrate, really um, efficient carbohydrate to use for energy. So if we're taking away our carbohydrate stores and our glucose stores, our easily to access glucose around our bloodstream or glycogen stores in our body, that can then limit our uh, intensity in training, which could then limit how much muscle we retain or grow, which then limits, limits our uh, physique development and or our, our metabolism health. Okay, so we just need to ask those further questions where we go, is it better to have a little bit less protein intake around maybe these two grams per kilo of body weight, so then I could have more carbohydrate intake, so then I could train better. Mm. The second part of the question, could this be contributing to the fat that I can't get rid of around our midsection? Then that could be maybe because if you are having let's say 2000 calories but then you're increasing your protein intake to hit the three grams per kilo of body weight you might not be having 2000 calories you might be having 2200 calories per day which then means that you might not be in an energy deficit which then means that you might not be able to lose the body fat body fat around your midsection you might maybe not be having enough carbohydrate or energy easily to access energy to train at a certain intensity to build muscle to develop your physique which then might be limiting the development of your metabolism or your energy expenditure so that you're kind of stuck in this kind of skinny fat position where you can't have enough fuel intake fuel intake to actually build this physique and then you might not be happy with the way that you look so to answer your question chevy yeah, you might be having too much protein. And yeah, you might benefit from scaling your protein back slightly and introducing more carbohydrate and fat intakes so that you can train more effectively and develop your physique. Yes, very good, very good. Sometimes we do get a bit carried away with the protein because we do get told to prioritize it. So it is good to be reminded of that. I would also touch on the idea that as we have around this three grams plus per kilo of body weight, we can start to experience side effects of protein intake. And most of the time that is the form of gastric distress. So you might feel flatulence um, or bloating or just stomach pains. Um, and you know we can put additional stresses on other organs in our body, such as things like kidneys and stuff. Uh, so you know we, we don't wanna be hanging around this like three, four, five grams per kilo of body weight uh, of protein intake per day. Just want to be cautious around that. And that's also, ooh, I'm doing a speed, but it's gluconeogenesis, isn't it? Because 
yeah, your body's going to try and get that, that glucose from somewhere um, if you're not eating your carbs. So it's going to convert the protein, isn't it? That's right. That's yeah. right. So protein ends up as, as glucose anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it does reach that ceiling of, well, is more better? No, because you're just, your body's just going to have to convert it into something else rather than keeping it as protein. Correct. Yes. Nick, next question here comes from Aaron. Aaron writes, Hi all, return challenger. I was pretty active with challenges in years past and recall more training days. I currently gym five to six days a week plus three PT sessions at work. Is this too much training? I'm staying on top of my nutritional needs to keep up with the pace, but just wanted to know if there is such a thing as too much training. Have a great challenge, everyone. Thanks in advance. Nick, what would you say to Aaron? Aaron, well, I'll answer by saying it depends, but also, are you David Goggins, Aaron? Because <laughs> it just makes me sound, it makes me sound like a Navy SEAL. Because um, if I look, let's say six days a week plus three PT sessions, so that's nine training sessions a week. Now, and the seven days in a week, Nick. Yeah, so mm. that's doubling up. Um, I know that some pro bodybuilders might do two um, sessions a day, but I know also that they get a lot of extra help and they'll be... Um, having things that probably Aaron isn't having. So um, for, for someone who's just running on a bit of protein and some normal food, I feel I will have to make the call that I reckon nine gym sessions a week of lifting weights is a little bit too much to be able to train at the intensity that Aaron might be looking for to make those physique changes. That um, staying on top of the nutritional needs to keep up with the pace the thing is you're chasing that so therefore you might be you might be at maintenance Aaron and it depends on what because your body is going to want to chase and um, stay ahead of itself with the nutritional needs that's probably why you might not see many changes because you might just actually be naturally eating just to maintain that level of energy so if you're actually looking for physique changes I would probably suggest I know this is radical but I'd go from nine to five I would take it, I know you don't want to do four because that's what we're doing now. I, I'm not going to make you do that, but I'd say five. Five's the sweet spot because that means you get two rest days a week as well. Well, you can still walk, you can still do other stuff. But for me, I think for physique goals, uh, if you really want to push it with fat loss, I would be cutting it back. Um, I think that there is such a thing as too much training, not necessarily from a point of view of being able to get there and get the training done, but just in terms of being able to apply that intensity to the training that needs to be done for that for that muscle to actually want to adapt and grow. And otherwise it's going to say, I'm going to stay the same because he's freaking me out every day and I can't afford to get bigger because he's freaking me out. What, what, how am I going to grow? How am I going to rest? How am I going to repair? You know, a great saying is that um, muscle is actually built outside of the gym. So if you're training nine times, would you ever train nine times? No. No. No, like in, in a book published anywhere, would there ever be a book where Coach Steve trains nine times? Look, uh, honestly, it's been done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, without changing the conversation too much, I think it depends on the dosage. You know, if your workout is two sets of bicep That's curls. That's right, big biceps, triceps. Yeah. And you call that a workout, it's like, okay, yeah. like... Fine, but then if your workout is 30 sets of legs mm. and you're doing that nine times in a week, okay, maybe. Yeah. It's, it really comes down to the dose of it. So yeah. it depends how you define a workout. That's that's the, probably the missing key. Yeah, the, yeah. the law of diminishing returns comes into it. So, um, you know, you, you, you won't get out what you put in in the end with that. Um, 
if it's for a mental thing or you just love it or you love socializing i don't want to tell you not to do it but i think if you've got physique goals try cutting it back just a little allow that recovery and see how hard you can train when you've had that as well yeah no i i agree i think what i said in my part was i've i've been there with the seven days you know every day you get in the gym i've been there with more where you know you do the morning session the evening session um but you're right like you need to recover from those sessions you 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 need to grow outside so instead of calling it like you know a rest day call it a grow day Mm. you know (laughs) grow day grow day yeah uh and once we figure out the appropriate dose you know maybe 45 minutes, an hour of, of work, of, of, of exercise, you know, maybe 10 to 15 sets of exercise, you know, let's say four times a week when we can work out the dose at the appropriate intensity, then we can see some really significant changes over time. So there is a, there is such a thing as doing too much. And what ends up happening, like you said, Nick, law of diminishing returns, we do so much that we don't actually see any progress and you might see progress by doing less. Yeah, yeah, that's happened to me, as we know, in my background of doing a million different spins and weights and things. And I've only really gotten super strong since I stopped doing all that and did a little bit less. And I probably still do more than necessarily I should. Mm. I'm not perfect. I might train a little bit too much, but I know that I'm making good gains. Gains. It's working. (laughs) Yeah. No, love it. Nick, next question here comes from Joel. Joel writes, hi. Thinking that the daily calories that is recommended is too high. I'm 147, 174 centimeters and 102 kilos, and the app is saying daily caloric intake should be 2,019 calories a day. I've selected intermediate on the training program, M Home Gym. Should it be lower? Want to lose weight, not maintain it? Okay. Firstly, Joel, with empathy, uh, thinking about something, uh, you know, isn't isn't appropriate, right? Uh, And what I mean by that is, you know, I think that the calories are too high or I feel that the calories are too high, you know, driving decisions or thoughts around like emotions uh, isn't appropriate. Uh, We need to drive these choices that we make with our body transformation around, you know, evidence or data. And saying something like, I think they're too high, my next question would be like, well, what makes you think that? Um, what evidence do you have? What data do you have? And if your answer is, oh, well, you know, in the past I've done this. Okay, you've got data. In the past I've seen this. I can see this equation which could predict this. I can see this model that suggests this. We have some backing up of the information rather than I think this. When we start to use words like I think or I feel that it's, it's too high, maybe it's around, maybe that thought is built around fear and not complete understanding of calories. So to say, you know, 2000 calories is too high because maybe we're afraid of a calorie, unsure what it means, don't have a reference point of it. Because I would say 2000 calories is extremely low. I would be having about 3000 calories and seeing weight loss for me personally. And I'm about hundred kilos, a little bit taller than Joel, maybe a little bit different body composition, but having 2000 calories is uh, completely appropriate for someone with those dimensions. And we shouldn't base it off of um, you know just purely our thoughts and feelings. We need to have some sort of backup data, some sort of evidence, some sort of proof that, hey, this is too high. Now, I will say, Joel, that your question is a super common question. Um, so much so that it's in the, uh, our, our nutrition frequently asked questions. And my first answer would be 
not that thoughts and feelings. Maybe my second answer would be, um, have you tested it? If you have 2,000 calories, consume that food, measure its effect on your body weight. Does it go up and down? Third part of it would be to understand that in each phase of the challenge, you'll see a decrease in your caloric intake. So you might start at 2,000 calories where maybe you maintain your body weight and maybe you know we, we, we planned it out so the challenge could facilitate as much muscle gain as we can at the start, starting a very slow rate of weight loss. And then as we progress through the challenge into phase two and phase three, you see a, a greater increase in weight loss over time. So remember those calories go down over time. So Joel, three parts of the quick three parts of the answer. One, let's use some data to back up our thoughts and feelings. Second part would be test the effects, consume that many calories, see if your weight changes on a week to week um, average change over time. And then part three, remember that your calories will decrease over time um, for uh, each phase of the challenge. Our algorithm is backed by, by science. We use the joy state Mifflin equation um, and scale it to your energy expenditure requirements. Um, so I would, I would trust the algorithm in what it's predicting for you to start with and then we can make some modifications if we need to as we progress through the challenge. Yeah, and also remember, when you've set it and you've pressed enter, it is set, even if you go back to that screen and it looks blank and it looks like it says maintain, your um, stats are still entered in there until you re-enter it. So, because I think Joel was also concerned because when you go back to that, that screen, it says maintenance. Yeah. And, you, and it looks like you, the app thinks that you've chosen maintenance. But That's right. Yeah, it's just a blank form that we, mm. we, we fill out. Yeah. Okay, now I understand that. Yeah. So, definitely, Joel, we're not trying to trick you. Yeah, and I think just remember that, you know, yeah. the challenge lives from body transformations. Yeah. We wouldn't want you to not have a transformation. And we want you to eat as many calories as possible while still losing weight. So, yeah, trust us a little bit. I know we love you to question, but now's the time to give over a little bit of trust. Nick, next question here comes from Christine. Christine writes, hey, team, can you go too high on carbs? Ooh. I am coming 100 under my daily calories, hitting protein, but carbs are high. Daily calories, 1,490, should be 1,584. Protein, 209. Carbs, 119. Thanks. Nick, lots of numbers. Yeah. Can you go too high on carbs? Well, that's the same as the question before. I'm thinking and too high. Um, I don't know. I know that you've given me a bunch of daily calories and things. I don't know your body weight. I don't know necessarily your goals. I don't know anything. Um, the only way that you can go too high in something is if you're ultimately over your calories and the energy balance is out. But you're not asking that. You're asking a particular, a particular macronutrient. Are, are you too high in that? Well, um, I, really, you, you can't. I mean... In terms of um, if you're hitting your numbers, as long as you've got your protein, um, the carbs and fats are interchangeable. So nothing bad is going to happen if you have a few more carbs. 119, believe it or not, isn't actually high at all. It's uh, I'm not, like it could be high for some people, but I'm just saying that there's some people that that probably would have four times that and consider it not to be high. So it's very um, a very subjective thing. It's not something that that I can really say that they're high, um, if if this question is stemming from some sort of a thing thinking that if you have too many carbs, you gain weight, it's too many calories. So don't worry. Uh, I would want you to hit your target calories. Um, if you're hitting your protein, you have the choice. You didn't even give me your fat macro. Why? 
Is it because it's not a consideration for you? Um, is it because you're not scared of that macro? Or what is it? I'll, I would like to know. But um, yeah, carbs and fats are generally interchangeable. It's what feels better for you. Um, if you're you know, really trying to perform in the gym, you do want to use carbs as your main fuel source. But uh, as long as you are sticking to your calories, that is the main goal for weight loss. So I'd like to see you eating that extra 100 calories. You know why, Christine? You know why? Because when they drop, you don't want to have to drop to less than 1490. You want to drop to maybe 1490 in your next increment or so. So get that 100 calories. Yeah, I agree. Nick, we could do some backward maths here. So if Christine is consuming 1490 or, or 1500 mm -hmm. calories, Starting with the carbs, let's say round it up to 120 because it's a good number. Mm -hmm. It's about four calories per gram of carbs. Yeah. So she's having about 480 calories worth of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. um, so that means that from her 1500, 482 carbs, very rounded mass, she has about 1,000 calories. Protein, we've got 209 grams, let's say 200 grams. Again, four calories per gram of protein. She's got 800 calories coming from um, proteins. Mm -hmm. So following with me, let's say 480 calories coming from carbs, 800 calories coming from proteins. So therefore, she has about 200 um, calories coming from fats in a particular day. With fats being about 9 calories per gram, she's looking at about 20 grams of fats on a particular day. Okay, so that would be her, her macro split. Um, and if you were to then do just percentages, she's having about 30% of her calories from carbs, about... Uh, was maybe sixty percent of her cal, uh, yeah, maybe 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 fifty percent of her calories coming from proteins, um, and then about twenty percent of her calories coming from carbohydrates. So if you split your macro ratios around like that, that's not too strange to look at. You know, like a 50, 30, 20 split yeah. from protein, carbs, and fats. Um, you know, I would then follow on the question from Chevy from earlier, Christine. You know, is your protein intake almost too high where you are missing out on carbohydrate, more carbohydrate intake and missing out on potentially the fat intake. Because I would say your fats might be a little bit low depending on what your body weight might be, especially if you want this minimum fat ceiling to be a uh, floor to be about maybe 0 0.6. Um, if you're having 20 grams of fats in a particular day, doing some math, you know, you probably weigh a little bit more than what 40, 40 kilos, right? So you might need to actually increase your fat intake um, by reducing maybe your protein intake. Is how yeah. we might, might look at it from a different way. Yeah, so you, you've basically got 1584 to play with. Um, yeah, we want to see you including each macronutrient in there as per what you said. Yeah. So, yeah. Nick, final question here uh, is the amalgamation of two questions. I know, and like the way that it's written, because it, one person's lightning and one person's Chantel, but it looks like it's lightning Chantel. Lightning Chantel. <laughs> so from lightning Chantel to different posts on the forum, lightning asks, Voltaren for Doms, yay or nay? And Chantel, hi, do you recommend taking anything to help with muscle pain? So both these questions probably related to the idea of DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, in maybe physical therapy, we would call this maybe even a grade one, um, you know, muscle strain. Uh, and DOMS is a very normal experience. DOMS, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness or muscle soreness, muscle pain occurs whenever we introduce a new stimulus 
new training, we call it a novel stimulus. So if you do something new or outside of your general routine, you may experience soreness. If you train at a high intensity, you may occur uh, you know, micro uh, trauma to the muscle and actually experience a, a very minor injury that's presented as, as muscle pain. Okay, so what can we do about it? So first part, you know, do we look at things like Voltaren, over-the-counter medication or, or NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs? Do we look at some of these medications to help manage this muscle pain? Firstly, if that pain is interfering with your uh, quality of life, your activities of daily living, like if your pain is like a 10 out of 10 DOM, you can't walk, hey, you need to get to work. You need to look after your kids. You need to do your chores for the day. You may need to take something like Voltaren just to get through the day. Long-term, we don't really want to be relying on things like Voltaren, over-the-counter medications, painkillers, basically, to manage DOMS. Because we just go back to the beginning. Why are you experiencing these DOMS? Are you training at such a high volume that your body can't uh, adjust to that? Are you training to such a high intensity that your body can't adjust to it? Or do you have significant limitations to your recovery that you can't recover from your training sessions? And are you band-aiding this with um, like a medication? Long-term, Things like um, anti-inflammatory drugs can interfere with hypertrophy signaling. So you may actually be kind of hemorrhaging yourself. Um, you know, you're putting all this effort in to try to build muscle and make a change, but then you're limiting that. So we don't really want to be relying on it too long. Chantel asked, do you recommend taking anything to help with muscle pain? I would personally say, like, no, I wouldn't put anything up on a pedestal saying that it is better than the others. Some would recommend things like, you know, warm baths, salt baths, magnesium, that is salt bath, um, some sort of supplements like that to help with muscle aches. However, I, um, I'm not convinced that though they play a, a significant impact in decreasing muscle pain. I would say just, you know, chilling on the couch, watching a, your, your, your favorite movie or listening to some music could play a significant role in decreasing your muscle pain as much as a warm bath or taking some um, magnesium wood as well. Other recovery interventions, you know, things like massage guns or, or massages, stretching, um, visiting things like chiropractors and stuff. Yeah, could be could be helpful. But again, you know, probably a big part of it would be changes in the nervous system and even partly a placebo effect. The big rocks here with recovery is one, sleep. We've got to make sure that we're sleeping adequately. Two is nutrition both from a positive effect that we're having enough protein, eating enough calories and having nutritious food. And then from the negative effect that we're not uh, drinking too much or smoking that we're negatively impacting our recoverability. And then the third point is managing our load or stresses that we have in our life. So if you're stressed because I don't know, mortgage rates are rising, your kids are sick, you've got deadlines at work, you've got all these extra stresses in your life and you're trying to throw in training as well. Hey, you might be experiencing a higher level of DOMS and muscle soreness than what we normally do and you may benefit from reining in those other areas of stress or decreasing your training so that you can manage all the stresses in your life. So to answer Chantel and Lightning, I would say that long-term, we don't need to rely on external uh, products, therapies, treatments to maintain or manage our DOMS. Trust me in saying that your experience with DOMS decreases over time. I kind of miss my experience with DOMS. I don't get that muscle soreness. I get a little bit of like, you know, I've worked a muscle, but it's not painful. It doesn't uh, interfere with my quality of life or days of activity, days of activity living. Um, and we need to go back to the drawing board. Why are we experiencing this? Is it because we're new to training? Okay, that's fine. It's going to improve. Um, or are we training at such a high volume, such a high intensity that we just can't recover from it and we need to scale back what we're doing? Whew. But Nick, 
Let's wrap it up there, episode number 101 of the Challenge Weekly Show. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know, and we'll catch you next week for episode 102. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.